Welcome to the Blooming League of Original Podcasts. G'day and welcome to Thrush and Treasure, the torture chamber musical comedy podcast that acts as a dumb waiter between musical floors. Speaking of dumb, I'm Aaron and I'm flying solo this week as I hang up my musical hat and shave my six inch mohawk because guess what? What? I have another diva in the studio today and as one quarter of comedy troupe The Morons, he's gonna fit in perfectly here. He's a quintuple threat who first appeared on Broadway and The West End in Diane Paulus's... Diane Paulus-i? In the Diane Paulus cutting revival of Hair, where he bared his convictions as Margaret Mead, which let the sunshine in on a stellar career thus far, which has included a whopping five more Broadway shows in 12 years. Shit, I haven't even seen one, let alone five. Jealousy aside, they include Les Mis, School of Rock, plus Sunday in the Park with Gyllenhaal, as well as countless off-Broadway shows, concerts, concept and cast recordings, so many productions that it's no longer six degrees of Kevin Bacon, and he is another Broadway unicorn who has managed to evade the cuffs of the Law and Order franchise. But today, he is here to be unlawful and disorderly. Please give a warm Aussie g'day. How's it going? To the most chic Jabberwocky you ever did meet, Mr. Andrew Cobra. Good morning, Starshine. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that was so freaking hard to get. I'm going to redo that in ADR for those at home. <laughs> I, screwed, I screwed that up. <laughs> I don't know why you would. That's the one. Listen, I listened to a couple of episodes in preparation and your introductions are are an incredible thing unto themselves. That's worth the price of admission, which is I think is free. Uh, but it, I'd pay upwards of two to three Australian dollars. Really? That's that's about um, how much is that? It's about a dollar fifty American. So. Oh no, sorry. That, that, that's <laughs> um, that, no, much less. Now you got yourself a bargain there. <laughs> no, that was terrific. I know you're 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 stressed. You lost your your co-host. Uh, they've all jumped ship because they didn't want to deal with me. So I appreciate your your fortitude in pressing on. Oh, really? I've spent the past 24 hours thinking that they didn't want to deal with me and I should have just presumed, yeah, it's, it was you. That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> it, was, no, it was your presence was intimidating because six Broadway shows in 12 years. Holy shit. I have not even seen one. I've not stepped foot in New York, let alone seen a Broadway show on American soil. I can't imagine they're that different than than what you've seen at home. Like I can't imagine they're that different. It's just, Broadway is really just like a neighborhood where they pay you the most money, right? Like the yeah. the shows, the quality of the productions are the same as you get in any number of places around the world. That's true. Yeah, no, and the prices are pretty exorbitant here. Um, okay. And we do get replica productions. We occasionally get original versions. Um, but things like Lame Is, which you did, we got the same production. Sure. I think everyone's gotten it. At this didn't get your hair and we didn't get mm. anything else you've done. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I mean, you haven't had beautiful. Beautiful seems like the sort of thing that you that would make its way over there. It hasn't made its way over there. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. We got we got beautiful. I, I didn't yeah, see sure. it. I tend to avoid jukebox musicals like a plague. Yeah. I'll say this for beautiful. Look, I'm not. I, I, I generally speaking, I don't love jukebox musicals either. Mm-hmm. What I will say is that the the thing that tends to make them work more than not is a thing that Beautiful does really well, which is 
to let the songs act as songs yeah. as opposed to uh, necessarily like plot moving devices. Uh, you know, an artfully yeah. placed song that is still a performance of a song can mm -hmm. still move the plot forward if you're doing it smartly. Yeah. And I think that uh, Beautiful does a pretty good job with that. Uh, look, I, I will sometimes give a pass to biographical musicals because there are so many artists out there that have had a career so expansive that it warrants it. Sorry, I've got this fan. <laughs> I've turned it off. I had I get, a friend that was making like LED light. I'm going to Disney World in a couple of days with my family. Oh, oh my God. I'm so jealous. It's going to be really fun. And yes. we bought, we, <laughs> we were just looking at the uh, at the forecast and it's just going to be unbearably hot. So we bought some of those personal fans that uh, I didn't expect to need until I was in menopause. Um, but here we are and I'm, I've got myself a personal fan for my walking around in the magic. So that light was going to distract me. Yeah. So I, I went to Tokyo Disneyland and. Oh, I wish I was going there. Yeah, it was stinking hot. It was at the start of September. And I, I'll tell you what, I, I did not expect Wait, the start it. of September of 2020? Oh, no, no, this was 2015. Oh, so this was oh, a, a oh, couple oh, of years ago. Um, but still, and you, you know what? Funnily enough, about um, the times we're in now, going through Asia and Vietnam and China, uh, and even in um, Singapore, there were people wearing masks because of the effects of the last coronavirus <laughs> that was five or six years beforehand, people. Sure. And yet they still thought, well, I've got a cold. I'm going to have some common courtesy for the people around me and wear a mm -hmm. mask on the streets. Now, that's really good of the people in, in Asia, across Asia, because it was several countries I saw it in. However, the, the helmets that they do not fucking wear on they, these motorbikes, that there will be five people. Oh, that's terrifying. Yes. Now, there will be the, the father in the front and he'll have a helmet on and then there'll be two or three children and then the mother in the back. I have photos of this. <laughs> And video yeah. of, of families on these bicycles and only the father at the front would have a helmet on and they'll be so I don't know how we got onto this safety that's how it was well I'll say this so <laughs> we're just gonna be here all night <laughs> morning for you I, I own a scooter like 150 cc like uh, yep. Vespa type scooter mm -hmm. and my wife was very much not in favor of the idea and so i put together like a whole pitch about why i thought it would be a great idea for me to get this thing and how safe i would be and <laughs> uh you know how careful and all i would take this the safety course and all the things and the one really uh concrete rule she gave me was that our our son cannot go on it ever like yeah. that's the rule i am not welcome to bring the child onto the scooter which i think is perfectly reasonable Mm -hmm. uh you know because i i value his uh continued uh life but that's what i wanted to ask these people do do <laughs> you not value the the lives of your family that are stacked on behind you yeah i'm telling you, you go to, to bali and vietnam and you're gonna see them in droves and they don't care about traffic or traffic lights or cars or buses or anything but anyways that's that's completely off topic yeah. now i i would like to know Two questions. How much did F warn you? Because as our listeners will know, F Michael has joined us at least twice by now. I, I, this might be sometime in the future. Right. So any number is possible. By now, any, yeah. Any number well, I'll tell you, I saw F and Drew, who is I, at, at least in this moment as we're speaking, booked to be a guest of yours, but has not yet yes. recorded nope. his episode. Is that correct? Well, I saw F and I saw F and Drew, and we were comparing notes about the various uh, podcasts that we've been listening to and that we've been uh, guesting on and whatever. And F mentioned this one, which I think mm -hmm. he had just recorded the episode on which he was the guest. Okay, and yep. Drew said, oh yeah, I'm doing that. I think I got an ask from that guy. I think I'm going to do that too. Yeah. And I went, oh, okay. Oh, well, huh. Because I hadn't heard from you at that point and sort of went, oh, well, I see. I, I guess that's how it's going to 
it's going to all shake down. And so uh, when it There's did come escalation in, up. I see you want to work your way up. up. Okay. Leading up to Alex. You started with F, who you perceive to be the easiest <laughs> get, which I think is probably right. Well, it, it was Alex offering him out to the world. He was literally pimping him out to all the podcasts. And I saw it. I'm like, all right, sure. Because I'd wanted to get you all on, but I didn't think I could just go and ask you all at once or ask Alex being the, the big megastar of, of you four. So. <laughs> yeah, that's one word for it. Uh, I think we, uh, it's, first of all, uh, Drew, Drew has a podcast. Everybody has a podcast. Drew has his own podcast now. And his whole, when he uh, had me as his guest, his whole thesis was that I'm like the mysterious elusive one, Mm -hmm. which is um, insane because Mm -hmm. I, I, I just don't hang out. That's not, it's not like an air of mystery and intrigue. I just like, I'll do whatever you want, but then I'm going to go home. Like, yeah. And the, for that simple reason, like every podcast that I've been asked to do over the last 15 months has been a resounding yes, an easy yes. I'm happy to do it. I got, I got lots of time and I've, I've, mm-hmm. I've got a nice microphone and I'm happy to talk to anyone who asks. It's, it's always my pleasure. So F warned me really almost not at all. I mean, <laughs> oh, really? he, he yeah. sort of said like, it's fun. He goes, well, you know, I kind of like metal. And I go, nope. You've never talked about that, not once ever. <laughs> and he goes, "Oh well, I do." Oh, he talked about it for three hours, Andrew. We could not yeah. stop him. And then yeah. I talk as well. So get the two of us there, and poor Gareth, I tell you, like, and, and usually it's an hour and a half with guests, two hours yeah. at most, three yeah. hours maybe more with with F. Oh my God, I was mortified. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, F can talk. I mean, luckily F F uh, a great guy. F great has guy. interesting stuff to say, and it's a good mm-hmm. is a good oh, yeah. guy and a thoughtful guy, and, and I think actually a really good podcast guest. I listened to the episode that um, he co-hosted with you with Joanna Gleason. Fantastic, and I thought it was a really great episode, and yeah. uh, he he sounded uh, at least medium smart. Yeah. And so it was <laughs> it was uh, I was really more than anything relieved when the ask came in for for me to come on I thought that I, you know it was it was about time and it, it was my turn it was my time you know well, as I say there, there was a trajectory so that's very that sort of like um well I want to be able to mix it up and do a build-up to to hopefully be able to get Alex on the show um hopefully freaking Gareth's back by then um <laughs> But yeah, okay, so the other question I had was, did you all agree to throw him to the wolves? Who, Alex? No, F. Oh. Being the first. No, we don't no. care. He can do no. whatever he wants. Uh, F, uh, sweet F. F has sort of found himself in this role where he's sort of like the butt of all of our jokes. And I think it's because he's like the sweetest boy. Like yeah. that's that, you know, like F has no hint of uh, disingenuity to him. Like he's just a sweet, sweet boy. Yeah. He's just a sweet boy that you want to you want to give a little hug and a little pat on the head for because he's just a sweet little boy who like wants he just wants to be good and he wants to be loved. And I want that for him. You want to pinch those cheeks. Yeah, yeah. you do. You And you want to tell him like he's good and you're good and I love you because I do love him. <laughs> um, in fact, like as I mentioned, we're going to Disney World next week. F is the one who's staying at my house and watching my dog. Like Aww. F is F is yeah he's the sweetest he's the best one yeah no absolute legend i was very grateful I, and he was the first name that came to mind to co-host that episode obviously he likes metal he says he does doesn't know musicals all that much and he so. definitely does he's foolish he's foolish. <laughs> he's foolish. <laughs> you would know you know him much better i've just only spoken to him for like 
don't know, a couple of hours. <laughs> More hours than I'm sure I have in the last three years. Uh, no, I but I, on the other hand, had no familiarity with metal really at all. Oh, really? So this was, I, I sort of jumped at the opportunity to kind of dig in a little. Sweet. Well, we're actually doing something a bit different this week because we've gone oh. back to my youth. Oh, right. Uh, because obviously Passing Strange is about a character named Youth. So I thought, why not? Yep. And I've gone with a band that I used to see play uh, when I was... Before, I think before I turned 16, I saw them play at a pub uh, on a Friday night at a pub called The House of Fools, which is no longer with us. Rest in peace. And uh, this was the dirtiest, stingiest pub. And there was, you know, 20, 30, 40 year old punks there and pissing on the floor and <laughs> spitting and smelt like shit. And Les Mis is a lot like that. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. That's what it was like. It was like the slums of, of France <laughs> yeah. in the 1800s uh-huh. uh, inside a pub in the western suburbs of Melbourne. And here were a bunch of kids, a bunch of teenagers. And by then I had my first tattoo. So I just needed to... Your first work. what? My first tattoo. Oh. Which I got at 15. And then I got my second one at 16. So it was so easy to get into places without ID because I just had to wear a, yeah, what you guys would call a tank top. Mm-hmm. We would call a singlet. I have a, I have a very shameful tattoo and I've got a very shameful yeah. one, uh, which is on yeah. my, my, the inside of my right ankle, the comedy and tragedy masks of drama. It's um, yep. Cliche. Yeah. Just a touch. It's uh, you know, I got it when I was in drama school thinking like, I need everyone to know how serious I am about <laughs> my craft. And um, I suppose just being an actor probably would have done the same, had the same effect. But I went ahead and uh, put it right, right there on my ankle. And I, for, I do a good job of forgetting about it all winter long. And then now in the spring, as I start to wear shorts again, it, it just, my shame reappears. And, you know, anyone that I've met over the, pre- not a big problem this year, but anyone I've met recently is always so surprised. Yeah, so you were young and dumb once. Mm. Uh, and then you... You grew up. Now I'm old and wizened. Yes. Well, I would like to say that, but I um I would still want to get another one. Uh, I want to get a better one. I'm gonna, I'm probably going to cover this one up. Yeah. Well, that's true. <laughs> I'll, I'll agree with you on that yeah. one. Um. Yeah. No. That's that's a smart. But then again, you also you keep it as a badge of honor of the stupid decisions you made as a child. Sure. I think the fact that I, I have a continued career in the musical theater is enough of a badge of honor of the stupid decision. There's actually a line in speaking of passing strange there's a line in there um that didn't make it onto the album that said like at some point as an adult you wake up and realize that all of your your entire life is based on the decisions of a teenager which is uh i i walked around carrying that with me for about a month after seeing that show that's really true actually and you know what i missed it there's this running theme in the show i don't know if you heard it that aaron doesn't pay attention I shouldn't use the third person, but that's that's the running. No, people like it if you do that. The the playing record that I don't pay attention, but I do, but I do have an issue paying attention to lyrics a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll get to passing strange because um, obviously we I chose a band called No Idea. Yeah, World Against Reason. Yes, World Against Reason, which is their only release on Spotify now. Back. Uh, 2001 I remember they released an EP um, called Super Zero and it was amongst us Melbourne punks like we had to get that EP and had to get them to sign it and everything Um, and we knew the band obviously because we saw them all the time and everyone said that I looked like Dick. Now I've got to look him up. Yes Um, I don't anymore I don't think I do anymore 
Actually, you know what? I probably do more now than I did back then. Now, this was used a lot of the times to say that I was his little brother to get me into pubs where they were IDing people. And well, that was effective for you? Yeah. Huh. I just carried in their um carrying their guitars or whatever. Right, sure. And act like a roadie and and if they'd question anything he would step in and say no he's my little brother cool i I said to you in an email that i used to dive headfirst into the stage that wasn't a lie (laughs) there's a thing called a slam pit i don't know if those there's a mosh pit obviously in in metal where they stand on the spot yeah right and just bump their heads up and down like idiots now we actually would slam into each other we would run back and forth and just go boom 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 like fucking wankers into each other because we were so goddamn drunk we just did not care and that's how we we celebrated the music and just got bashing our heads and our hands around and and screaming at the stage and that's terrific yeah all sorts of stuff and remember we were 15 16 17 doing this Mm -hmm. because by the time we hit 18 we got ids and the thrill of being there was gone (laughs) we decided to do other things (laughs) the the closest uh comparable experience i had there was a band called uh oar are you familiar at all with OAR? Nope. They were a they were a ska band. Did you all get ska? Oh yeah, I love ska. I could have picked a ska band, but I thought no, I'm going to scare you with this one. No, it's it's cool that you didn't. Yep. Um, they were a ska band that uh, was very big when I was in high school. I think I agreed to take a girl on a date to an OAR concert. And up until that point, I mean, I you you'll learn over the course of our time together here that I'm. I, I'm a I'm a, a very soft mm-hmm. man, like I am I am a man with soft tastes, and um, you know I like quiet and mm-hmm. comfort, and um, OAR was not my thing. <laughs> the only concerts I think I had seen up until that point were uh, Celine Dion touring. I had it. <laughs> That's a, a worry. <laughs> it was, a, and I'll tell you, it was a good tour, though. Like that, you know. I'm I'm going to nod and smile and say, okay. It was a good tour. She was touring. My heart will go on. It was great. At the end, she came out on stage after after. Okay, so it was my first big big concert, and it was at the big arena in Ohio where I'm from. And I went, and she finished the set, and I hadn't been to enough concerts to know about encores. Mm-hmm. And so she finished the set, and I I was with I don't know probably my mom. And I was like, she didn't do my heart will go on. Why did she didn't do it? She didn't sing my heart. I was so worried that she didn't sing my heart will go on. And then the lights didn't come up. And I went, something's happening here. Something's going to happen. (laughs) And a stagehand came out with like with a railing shaped like the bow of a ship and put it and put it smack down stage center. And another uh, stagehand came out with a giant fan and just parked right like off the stage pointing it up at her and she came out and she sang my heart while going and when i tell you like i had a religious experience it was so exciting for me and i think the only other concert i'd seen before oar was michael crawford the original phantom okay now see that while still really really gay i can go yeah cool yeah yeah. oh but celine dion i'm wondering how many of your mates know this all of them (laughs) no this is none of this is shameful for me this is i had a wonderful (laughs) time and i'd go again if i had the chance it's um I mean, listen, you know, I, I don't want to make this a Celine Dion fan cast, although I could. Yeah, apologize to the metal fans. Sorry, we'll get there. to it. We'll get to No Idea. You know the song um, All By Myself? At least you know of it. Yes. 
Yes, every day of my life, mate. Every single day of my life. It's like seven minutes long. I mean, it's like basically a meatloaf song in its structure. Like mm-hmm. it is sweeping and epic and has like all these different sections that all there's this like whole story to it. And it's an amazingly theatrical piece. And I think I was like just starting to figure out about musical theater. And like, to me, that made perfect sense. Anyway, no idea. Yeah. All of their songs coming yep. in under three minutes. <laughs> From Sally Dion. Now, the, but the funny thing is you say that you're you're a soft... I'm a soft man. Soft man. Or, I was about to say cuddly. Yeah. But I wouldn't know that. Now, the funny thing is I went from being a kid doing musical theatre, listening to the Spice Girls. And why shouldn't you? And musical theatre, like Les Mis, I loved, and Phantom of the Opera, I loved, and, and Hair, and Rocky Horror, and, and stuff like that. Sure. Oh, Rocky Horror. Then I changed schools and made new friends, mm-hmm. and that's how I got into the punk scene. Mm-hmm. So you imagine to everyone around me, this tiny meek kid who was being picked on and I was broken like anyways that's another story basically what I'm saying was I was that soft kid and then I had a mohawk and 20 piercings which I I did most of them myself and a lot of them I did with sitting at school that's unadvisable oh yeah no I I would not recommend it to anybody but I would do it again Uh um like I did my own nose, I did my own lip. Cool. At least a dozen times, I did my own belly button. I did all the way up my ears. You know what though? I think our, our we all have our pathos, right? Like all of our pathos manifests itself in different ways. We all have yes. the unpleasantness of youth, and yes. uh, we all have our different ways of uh, sharing that or expressing it. And that's that was what I chose. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And actually. Right before that, I had run away from home. I've talked about this on the show before. I ran away from home and became a born-again Christian. Cool. So I went from being this gay kid to having the gay prayed out of me to then becoming a punk. So (laughs) and here I am. Remarkably similar to my trajectory. Almost identical, really. But it's not about that. It is about the music because no idea, as I say, were like they were the rock stars. Yeah. For us. Now, were they big, big, or were they like your local favorite, like secret band? Local, right? Local, like they would tour up the states and and maybe to America if they were lucky to get an invite. But right. no, they were very small. Cool. Very small, and that we didn't care because. As I say, we, we saw them every week, pretty much. Right. And they weren't the only one. There was a bunch of them. There was an old chick band called The Homewreckers. Oh, cool. Um, they played in my backyard, actually. There was another one called uh, Loners with Boners. There was Charter 77. There were Bastard Squad. You can't beat Loners with Boners. That's an amazing name. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now that, <laughs> and they were exactly what you heard on this CD. They were just thrash mm-hmm. punk. They were old school. Fuck you to society. Rah, 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 rah. Yeah, yeah. And we loved yeah. it. It was old school. Anyways, what? Yes, what did you think? Well, I gave it two. <laughs> I gave it two listens all the way through. Yeah, and it was super fun to listen to. First, okay, so I'll say a couple of things. It's not the kind of music I would ordinarily seek out. No, I, I didn't imagine. But that's, I, from what I understand, part of the fun of your podcast. I think yes. uh, some of their songs I liked more than others. They do a thing. They they have a habit. First of all, I think their drummer like slaps. I think their drummer's fantastic. Whoever that is. Like their drummer, I think, is by leagues the best musician in the group. And there's some, like he plays some fills on uh, Another Day on the opening track that are like disgusting, these fills. 
Um, now I think that's Rick. I sure. do have the names written down, and I don't know where it is because it wasn't in this notebook. And I should know it because there's Dick, Rick, and there was Mick. It was Mick Jagger. He went on to a, a whole different career. Yeah, that, it was him. Mick, uh, Rick, Dick, Rick, and Mick. Yep. Oh, God, now I'm going to screw it up. It's, it's your intro all over again. As I said, <laughs> I was little Dick, so. Uh, so the drummer is, like, disgusting. He, he The drummer can play the drums incredibly well. It was Carl on drums. Uh Dick on bass and vocals, and Rick was on guitar and backup vocals. They do, they do some, um, and there's some of this in Passing Strange too. I, I realized on reflection, they do some um, creative stressing of syllables on words that one would ordinarily not put the stress in the place where they put it in order to make it scan nicely for the line. Which I, you know, mm-hmm. I get it, but that always that those kinds of things always kind of um, pop out to me because. I don't know. Maybe it's like I've spent a lot of time and a lot of my training is on like Shakespeare, for example. And that's all about like the real true rhythm of the line and making sure that, yep. the, you know, it's spoken just as it should be. And I have a thing where I really like it when the name of the song or the show is in the show and they, and they sing mm-hmm. it because everyone in the audience kind of goes like, oh, they did it. They said it. Like that's always kind of fun. And almost all of their songs uh, start right with <laughs> the title of the song, which is a fun thing. I like that. Punk's Life, the um, sort of like yo-ho-ho tribute, the pirate kind of number, I had a fun time with because that that to me felt like, um, like if I was going to their concert, for example, like that would be a fun number. Like I could tell that would be like an experience that would be like a little bit like kind of winky and tongue and cheeky. That was fun. I enjoyed that. Get everyone singing along. Yeah, exactly. And drink gallons of ale. I like that. I really liked that. Um, I don't think I've ever heard any kind of metal or punk sung with a strong Australian accent. So that was fun just for me. Um, although I'm, I'm sure the novelty is uh, lost on you. Yeah, no, I, I hate the accent. Do you really? I cannot stand the Australian accent. Generally or in when sung? When sung or done for Americans or foreigners, we tend to overdo it, mate. Right, sure. You might notice in uh, G'day, welcome to Thrush and... I, uh-huh. It's natural for us because we're selling us... I fucking hate it. I really do. I don't know why. I've noticed that I, I have a habit Sorry. of doing, um, I do, I, first of all, I really like the Australian accent. Cool. Thank you. I can't do it to save my life. I'm pretty good at accents, but I can't do that one. I've noticed that sometimes I will put on, I've lived in New York City or thereabouts, or now I live in the suburbs, but I've lived in the area for about 15 years, but I, I didn't grow up here. I don't have a New York accent by any means. This is, this is the way I speak. But sometimes if I'm talking to like a dude that either intimidates me or I want to think I'm cool, then I'll I'll start I'll notice that like I'll start putting on like a little bit of like yeah I know I know that's what I was saying like and it, like that's I'll hear it and I'll go like that's not what you sound like why are you doing that but it's I'll do it because I I think sort of subconsciously like I think it's cool and so I think they'll think I'm cool if I do it's it. an affected affected thing yeah it's a completely affected thing exactly yeah I mean when I I lived in London for six months I never put that on I just because I knew that was phony a shout out to Gwyneth. <laughs> <laughs> we should have opened with the shout out to it's just respectful the shout out but anyway i really I, it was fun for me to listen to like hard rock music with a different accent which i don't think i've ever caught yeah. um and it has one of my favorite um titles of a song which is reality shmeality i have a problem with that because there's a should it be shmeality or shmeality no because that's what i always reality shmeality and 
reality schmiality it just doesn't roll off the tongue i don't know i just had a problem with that no i think theirs is right and i think you're wrong i think i am wrong as usual like it wouldn't surprise me but things like no rules just respect is how they say it in the song which yeah. is not how you'd say it you know no it feels like um for lack of a better word, I, don't, I don't think it is but it's it feels like lazy songwriting you know what i mean yeah. like you can come up with an alternate rhythm or an alternate melody or alternate lyrics to make it scan in a way that is more natural to the ear. Although maybe, I don't know these guys, uh, like you do. Uh, not anymore. Not for a well, long time. <laughs> maybe letting it pop in that way. Maybe yeah. like that that kind of like stubbing your toe on those lyrics is uh, is intentional. Possibly. Uh, Joanna Gleason, I think it was set up the rhymes that they use, they only need to be enough that they will linger in people's minds. So I think maybe that could apply with with stuff like the, the diction and and the enunciation, because it's it's it will stick out in people's minds, and that's all they need enough to to then sing along and be like, oh yes, that song does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. I've com- I've completely butchered that. I'm so sorry. It was something like a familiarity, I guess. Sure. No, I also think they're all a little bit short. Yeah, they are very short songs. Like three, four of them on the album come in under two minutes. Yeah, that's what it's like. like. Yeah, you know, that's what it's like. Yep. And at a pub, like, because these aren't concerts. Right, right. These were very much pub gigs, you yeah. know, the back, back rooms of pubs. And, and there'd be 50 something punks of, of all ages, as I say, from as young as 15 onwards. Thank God the pub is now closed or they would lose their license. <laughs> What's the drinking age in Australia? Oh, 18. Oh, see, that's civilized. Yeah, but we don't drive until we're 18 either. Huh, so that's a lot all at once. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think 18 is, an, is a perfect, perfectly appropriate age to yeah. drink. I think you probably want a couple of years of driving under your belt, though, by that point. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. We can get our L's and then our P plates at some point. Wow. I, I Look, I don't know, because I don't have my license. I'm very... Um, ADHD, mm-hmm. and so me behind the wheel of a car is really not good for society. I so I might be a dickhead, but I can. I'm smart enough. <laughs> At least you're not endangering others. But yeah. So well, exactly. Um, but no. In terms of like the Melbourne punk scene, it's like it's pretty big, and every year there, there's events like there's the Melbourne punks picnic and there's the Melbourne punks pub crawl where we would go from pub to oh we, we all know what a friggin pub crawl is i don't know <laughs> to explain that for crying out loud and you can actually look this stuff up on youtube i'm not saying whether or not i am in any of the f- footage you're also not not saying you are yeah i'm not gonna say but there's a lot because a lot of it was documented which is good because it was a culture it was a, a community and we looked scary yeah it's nice to be able to look back yeah. too. I'm sure it's nice now in in your uh, you know twilight years um, to be able to look back on it somewhat. So, did you enjoy it, or did you? Was it a shock to the system? No, it was fun to listen to. Uh, I mean, I guess like the the heaviest music that I've ever like enjoyed, right, mm-hmm. was you know in sort of the late '90s. Like, I got into like Red Hot Chili Peppers and like Foo Fighters. That was about as heavy as I ever got. Yeah. And this felt like, um, oh God, just, it felt like if <laughs> the best I can come up with was like if Blink-182 had a really bad day. Like if the, it, the, there was like, there's a an anger to it, which I appreciate. Like, that's cool. That's the whole, that's the vibe of the music, right? Mm-hmm. But I always have, a, I always kind of bump up against 
like music that is angry for angry's sake. Like I just always feel like there was a there was a um, Green Day musical a few years ago on Broadway, which uh, was much beloved, and yes, I saw it and also really enjoyed it. But my one kind of thing was like these people seem like they all have it pretty good. I don't know why they're all so angry all the time. Yeah, and, and this uh, album was kind of like, all right, why? What do? What's so bad for you? What's so bad for you? Tell me what's yeah. so bad for you. And I realized that like, that's not their job, right? Like that's not what they're setting out to do. Like they're, yeah. the, the form of this album isn't meant to be narrative or um, curative or prescriptive in any way, but it's, um, it's music that, you know, exists for a lot of reasons. One of which is to let an audience kind of see themselves in it, right? Like, and to let a part of you, the, the listener come out and, and hear something that, is uh, maybe even latent inside of you. Mm-hmm. And so like, and I totally understand that in respect. And I had a good time listening to it. I, t- I turned my, my stereo up yeah. louder wow. than I would have uh, ordinarily. I think I probably scared my neighbors. As I said, I live in a very quiet <laughs> suburb. Uh, and like I was rolling around town in my Tesla with the <laughs> stereo pumping of uh, no idea, which was really fun. I'm impressed. It's not. It's uh. It's not that fancy. We got the base model. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm impressed that you'd turn it up loud because it is very thrush. Oh yeah. Well, that's how it's meant to be enjoyed, right? I mean, when when you say punk to most people, they will think the Clash, the Ramones. Yeah, I mean, and like that's all. Like I like London Calling as much as the next guy. I think um the Sex Pistols. Yeah, Sex Pistols. Sure. How, now, how now? There are so many different kind of subgenres. Where does this land? This is old school, hardcore punk. It is very much, that's what we would call it. There's right. old school and new school and uh, something like Blink-182 would be new school. Uh, and even in that comparison you made before, I heard behind me, all the punks in Melbourne suddenly drop dead from shock at um, comparing them to, to being Blink-182 on a bad day. They would be yeah. so offended, but it's all right. <laughs> I'm so sorry, everybody. It's just, I mean, like, it's not... <laughs> don't, don't, it's a fun... I think it's funny. I just mean as far as the frame of reference I have available to me. No, that's... I think it's hilarious, and I especially think the, re- the reaction would be... Or like Green Day on a bad day. Is that better? Uh, no, that would probably be worse. <laughs> You might as well just said fucking you too. And that would have just done them all in. Across the world, it would have done them all in. Oh, no. No, by the way, is my N-O is my favorite word in the Australian accent. So I'm glad I got a good one in there. No, N-A-O. Well, I've heard some nine. Like you can squeeze in nine different vowel sounds into that two-letter word if you really go about it. There's a show that we, I hope you had it here because it was an Australian show that we watched on Netflix. It was a reality program called instant hotel nope i didn't watch it because i don't watch tv but whether anyone else did i can't i'll tell you what it's garbage and uh is it yeah but really fun garbage it's i guess instant hotel is what you'd call like a like a short-term vacation rental okay yeah uh we we would call it like an airbnb or something um and it's just various hosts competing against each other anyway it's like a very very australian show well, if you'd come across any Australians and want to freak them out, say, yeah, nah. Yeah, nah. All right. So, and that is to say no. So you're saying, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but nah, I disagree. Or no, that's not right. If you want to say yes, you say, nah, yeah. You know, we have that. We do that. 
Well, the thing is, when we say yeah. to you guys, you're like, well, is that yes or no? We're always getting questioned on it and you just don't mm. know what we're meaning. So that's interesting. Yeah. You know what always tripped me up when I was in England is um, you're right. You're right. Yeah. You're that's right. their way of saying hello. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have that? You don't have it, do you? <laughs> no. We go, how's it going? Oh, see, we have how's it going. Yeah. You're right. To me is like what um, every single time my reaction was like, what, what looks wrong with me? Like what? Yeah. Because to me, like, if I were to say, like, are you all right? Like, that would be, I'm expressing concern. So every time I'd come into the stage door or whatever, you all right? Uh, yes. Why? Is something, am I bleeding? What's what's the problem? Yeah. Do I look ill? Exactly. That was always my concern. I'm glad you don't have that one. That was awful. It's weird. Like, it's such a, uh, a global community now. And even more after this past uh, dumpster fire, apparently. Hmm. I've, I've, I've had a pretty good year or so because I'm a hermit. So yeah. how's this day any different to any other day? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, the, the point of whatever that was. Uh, we'll, we'll move on anyways. Unless you have anything else to add. No, I mean, it was fun to listen to. Yeah. It was totally fun to listen to i'm glad yeah. that i had the chance to yeah um i i, I hope that they found peace <laughs> and joy in their lives cbgb's in uh new york that yeah because that, that had a real rich punk history and you can find um documentaries on it and sort of the bands that played there yeah many years ago so would you ever shave a mohawk a proper one yeah i like to experiment with my hair uh both top of head and facial yes it's to me one of the best things about my job is that sometimes somebody tells me it's sometimes it's you know just assigned to me mm-hmm. um just for pose i got to have a crazy uh, mustache kind of mutton chop situation yeah um, i would absolutely do a mohawk i'm thinking about shaving my head anyway I, I really the time to do it would have been like a year ago when yeah. no one was going to look at me um now that it seems that people may be looking at me again in the future it's uh probably ill-advised but yeah i would absolutely i mean especially so if it was for a gig if someone's like so we want you to do this thing but it, you would need to have a mohawk are you cool with that that would be an absolute yes yeah um just recreationally uh i would need to know that i had no professional commitments coming up but just for me selfishly absolutely of course yeah so what i, I like i did 12th night in uh, yep. at shakespeare in the park for uh I don't know, however long it ran. And I had a, a really prime mustache. <laughs> like a, a, the sort of mustache that like, when I would go to the playground with my son, I needed to make it really apparent that I was there with a kid. Yep. <laughs> That's a child catcher mustache. Yeah, it was the sort of mustache that I was like, I need to demonstrate that I'm I'm cool to be here. Yep. Um, and so uh, my wife hated it. Oh, hated it. But her least favorite thing is me clean shaven, like clean, clean, because right. I, I actually look exactly like my mother. Oh, and so okay. um, <laughs> it's just a little, it's like a little kind of jarring for both of us, if I'm being honest. And so yeah. uh, we prefer at least a little bit of stubble or something. So you, just like F, grow a beard so people call you sir. Fancy that. Is that why he done it? Well, that's what he, that's what he says in the, the episode. Uh, no, I grew it because I just like the way I look better. Yeah. I feel like I look, right. I look older. I look more like a person who's not my mother. You know, a lot of benefits there. Yeah, no, I, I just, I'm lazy. That's really what it is. <laughs> it's also that. I haven't paid for a haircut in, God, how many, maybe 20 years since I was 15, <laughs> 16 years old. 
and shaved my own mohawk and like i was inspired by gi jane that movie when she shaves her head yeah sure as a kid you know i was like yeah you go kick ass honey and and so every every, every time i do it i think of her and i shave my head lately i've actually been rocking the mustache so and the stubble i look like walter white jr i think it's cool i'm into it yeah i uh any chance I have to have like a weird look out in the world, I'm totally into it. For Pose, I had this weird mustache and mutton chops, and I was so excited to like just walk around my neighborhood and let all my neighbors see. I'm the only person who's in the business. You know, my neighbors are all in like finance and stuff like that. And so I'll be walking around, and uh, I was so excited for them to all see my weird facial hair. Uh, and then I remembered that it was COVID. And so my mask covered the whole, the whole thing. Nobody, nobody really got to enjoy it. Oh, good on you. <laughs> we'll be back after a quick trip to the Fosse Forest Ballet. Coming this summer, winter, spring or fall, the first ever musical theater sitcom where you go behind the scenes of the latest West End show, The Fosse Forest Ballet. Where's the important stuff? Aha! A thousand pound a week ensemble rate. Ah, that's what Mamma Mia likes. Starring Philip Joel and a West End cast featuring Carrie Alice, Darren Denny, Louise Demon, and Oliver Savile, and more. It all started in 1987 when I was a jobbing actress working in a diner. Yeah, it's just I, I had a really bad experience when I was touring Australia with a wombat. <gasps> Darling! I've been mentoring you. Three months? Two years. So her name is Henrietta. The horse. Yes. I've managed to secure you an audition for the biggest, most innovative, and the latest show to be going into the West End. Joseph and his Technicolor Dreamcoat. Think more along the lines of Pant. Frozen. Watch this episode for the price of a coffee. Simply go to www.thefussyforestbelly.com. Any and all profits go back to theater charities, acting for others, and the theater's trust. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you'll see a grown man in sparkly tights. Tight nights. Nice tights. Oh, but apparently you're not wearing masks now. Apparently, yeah. I don't. I'm, I'm doing whatever I'm told. You're doing whatever you're told. I'm a very good boy. I love a rule and I love following it. So, I, I have been told that it's okay to take off my mask out of doors, and that's exactly what I'm doing. I was one of the first people vaccinated. I was like in the door, like get me that shot. Yeah. So my wife and I went to um, Hawaii a couple mm-hmm. months ago. In oh, beautiful. In we went. It was, and um, that was about. 14 hours from New York, uh, including the layover and, you know, Mm -hmm. getting to the airport early and everything. And we were masked for, I don't know, 99% of it. We would take off our mask to eat and, you know, have a sip of water or whatever. Um, And I found that it's sort of like um, a lot of things. It's like exercise for me. We're like, at the very beginning, it's fine. And then almost right away, it's terrible and you hate it and you can't imagine doing it for any longer. Yeah. And then as soon as you stop thinking about it, you could do it forever. Did you go to Oahu? We went to Maui. Oh, lovely. Yeah, it was really gorgeous. Have you been? No, I've been to um, Honolulu. Mm-hmm. And um, I, look, I had the best time in Hawaii, though I got threatened and drugged and... Oh, fun. All sorts of stuff. Some of it you'll hear in the Josh Lehman episode. I'm going to cut some of it out because I, I think I terrified the poor guy. 
I want to tell you about Josh Lynn. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Josh and I, both of, I think both of our first Broadway shows was Hair. Yes. Josh was my understudy. So I had done it previously at Shakespeare in the Park, and then we were all transferred to Broadway. And when we transferred to Broadway, they had to hire understudies because we hadn't had any. So mm -hmm. Josh was hired for the Broadway production. And so I met him on the first day of rehearsals for Broadway. And he said, oh, hi, I'm Josh, and I'm, I'll be your understudy. And by lunch that first day, I had decided that I would never call in sick ever, 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 because this guy was so obviously funnier than me mm -hmm. and sweeter than me and more talented than me. And I knew that if I ever let him go on, then I would instantly lose the respect of my company and maybe the audiences of, of Broadway. And so for like 10, 11 months, I never missed a show. Plenty that I should have, but I, I never did because I was so terrified that he was going to just run circles around me, that it, his performance was going to be so much better than mine, that it was going to be embarrassing for me to come back to work. And eventually my wife sort of was like, we weren't married yet. We were just dating. And she was like, I'd like to go on a vacation and that's not going to be able to happen unless you take some days off. So I think you should do that. And she talked me into it and I did. And I'm sure he was great that weekend or whatever it was. But then eventually later he took over when we all moved to London, he took over on Broadway and I got to see him do it. And he was even better than I was afraid of, but in a like totally different way than I did it. And so like ultimately the lesson for me was- Not to worry. Yeah. Well, that there's no real like better or not better, right? Like yeah. it's like School Rock, for example. Like I, I saw Brightman do it, he's a genius. I saw, I was at opening night, it was his date. He was amazing. And then when the role came around for me, I ended up being the understudy later in the run and performing it many, many times. I can't do what he does. I, there, like, I, I just can't. I could yeah. never, ever play that role the way that he played it. No, but you play it how you play it. That's exactly the point of theater. Like for the kids at home that not, don't stress yourselves, you don't try to be what the person before you try, was. Yeah, that's the idea. I mean, like my Brightman impression would have been terrible, but luckily we had a, a team working on the show that had um, enough sort of um, imagination to see other things that that role could be other than what Alex brought to it, um, which was, you know, not better or worse. It was just different, which was uh, yep. really nice. Well, one thing I'm, I'm always going on about with theater is that it is about interpretation that one theater company takes a show and does their thing with it. The next theater company, and I hate going to an amateur production and seeing the sets are inspired by the Broadway version or the performances yeah. sound exactly like every single note is sung the same way, all the intonation, all the, and I, I know like they're trying and I believe like half, of, at least half of the people on the stage at any given theater, amateur theater, want to move up and get paid for it one day. If you want to get paid for it, kids, become your own in that character. Make that character your own. Do not emulate. I'm sick of emulation. I really, really am. Well, it just almost never works. I mean, that's the biggest thing. Like impressionism is a its own kind of craft, right? Like people do that and that's fine. And that can be really fun to watch. But I don't think there's much value in that when it comes to the theater generally. No, no not, um, not for playing a part. Yeah, like I, I've, I've understudied my fair amount. It's been a while, but I, I, I used to understudy a lot. And um, understanding the role Brightman created, understanding, I understudied Zach Levi and she loves me. Like I, I can't do Zach Levi. He's a whole different thing than me. 
I, I, and if I were to try to, I, it would have really fallen flat. Yeah. Um, and so I think, or like even replacing in a show. And I went into Beautiful. It was my, I think my first time replacing in like a principal role. I'm nothing like the guys that did it before. I found out later, I hadn't seen the show. I yeah. looked at the script and said, no, I think it's probably like this. And I did what I would do with it. And uh, that ended up being the thing that worked. And that's why you've done six Broadway shows, Andrew, and other people may not have, uh, not to, mm. to, to uh, throw shade at like how many people on Broadway they use are all doing a really good job. Now, speaking of Margaret Mead, I'm going to move on really, really quickly from that, putting my foot in my mouth again. Uh, speaking of Margaret Mead, what would your drag name be? I really have never thought about it because I have one for you. Oh, give it to me. No, got to come up with yours first, and then I'll give you the one that I come up with. A friend just told me about a real drag queen that was the best drag name I've ever heard. And it was um, something like, I think she was on the RuPaul show, and it was something like like a Sharon Karen from, from Finance or something. A Karen from Finance. I knew, again, oh. I, how did I know you were going to say that? She's from Drag Race <laughs> Australia. She's a Melbourne queen. Um, I, I agree. Like, that's, to me, that's probably the epitome of drag names, and it you know that from the lunch lady doris or something like that you know, yeah that... yeah <laughs> i just think that's really yeah there she is karen from finance see that's yes. it yeah no uh -huh. she's fabulous and and um as of now she's still in the, the competition but fingers crossed it's the, i mean it's an amazing name yes. i love the idea of being a drag queen that's like not a big personality like the idea of doing a drag queen that's just a, a very ordinary woman a, a fishy queen a fi a, well a, is that a, something that's yeah I, apparently the term fishy is uh, offensive now because it's referring to the uh, lady parts oh sure of course i, I sure. can't keep up anymore and i'm just like please offend me with anything <laughs> you can throw at me because i'm not afraid to be offended drag is different obviously of course than like cross-dressing right like those are mm -hmm. they're not the same thing i think though that the drag world in from my very limited understanding of it has never had like a really, really famous drag queen that is just like Karen from finance who just like packs her lunch every day. I mean, I get this, this, this drag queen looks very fancy to me, but. Dame Edna Everidge. Oh yeah, I get, but she still like, that's a big personality, Dame Edna. Well, true, yeah. Another famous Melbourne drag queen played by Barry Humphreys, who is a straight man. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm ostensibly a straight man. I played Margaret Mead for a while on Broadway. Who loves his Celine Dion? Uh, but well, <laughs> sorry. And my musical theater. Look, that <laughs> was theater. a big part of my journey is like figuring out that there are lots of different kinds of of people, right? Like, yes. there are that that there's not only one type of straight dude. No. And that it's not actually incongruous for me to love show tunes and not sports or beer yeah. and also still be attracted to women that that's allowed and that's okay and that's okay for me to be attracted to men but love sports and beer well no that's against god no no way i, I, I love me footy have you seen australian football no i'm going to send you a video of australian football because now wait is it what i would call soccer or is it what i would call rugby no it's what you would call insane <laughs> okay because it's pretty uh pretty violent uh but the Ooh. drag name i come up for you was using yeah. your surname as your first name but okay. spelling it k-o-b-a okay coba cabana I love it. Yeah? Cool. There you go. There's your drag name. You could leave the R even. You could be Cobra Cabana. You could. Man, it's not as good. Yours is better. No. Yeah, I think with the A, it's it sort of has yeah. that feminine. No, that's really good. Nicely. What's yours? Um, mine is Rose Carla Glasses. 
<laughs> to me, like the punnier, the better. Oh yeah. That's oh, fantastic. Yeah. That seems like a relatively recent development. Uh, the punny drag queen names. Um, well, Drag Race has been slowly taking over the world. Yeah. Yeah, I've gleaned as much. I actually haven't seen the program, but uh, I feel like I know everything about I know. I feel like I know everything about it just from hearing it, just from being in Broadway dressing rooms. Like I feel like yeah, I know everything that's ever happened on the show. I can imagine. Look, I, I still hear gay guys say to me that they've only just started watching it or they've never seen an episode and I know I would love it. Yeah. I mean, I know I would. And I've met RuPaul and like that's oh. it was like one of the most exciting moments. Like that's an incredible person um but no i haven't i haven't seen the show one of these days i will i don't have an objection to it i just haven't yeah no i i recommend because it's incredibly talented you know what though i I find that no matter where in the world you are like the people who are into musical theater it's not a huge it's not a big community is uh, a group of humanity it's a very passionate and loud group i mean i think there is a, a big population that likes musicals but um, for people that really know it, know their stuff well enough to like talk intelligently about it or make a podcast about it, I yeah. think uh, that's a smaller group. Or um, crossword puzzles, which I used to do. You used to make crossword puzzles? Yes. That's cool. Like proper, like yeah. actual theater magazine for cool. Australia. $7 an issue. They paid me $0 a puzzle. Uh, so I stopped doing it. But no, these were actual like full on. So if you have a look, they're over a hundred words. Cool. So that's very cool. by hand. If you can send them to me, I would I would take one if I could. Yeah, definitely. I've I had a whole bunch of them on a website. But yes, no. All right, we'll move on because uh, <laughs> obviously life is a a series of passing strange events. That was a very strenuous. You got there. Yeah. At thirty-seven, you're the elder moron. Mm. Plus a husband and a father with a rapidly blossoming career. How on earth do you find the time to look younger than me? <laughs> Am I younger than you? No, you're older than me, oh, but you look I, younger than me. It's the beard. I have a good beard. I'm a character actor, right? Like I'm not, yep. I'm not a chorus boy or I, I don't have the talent for that. Not a dancer? I've, no, God, no, no, no. <laughs> I've, I, I, I've, I've tried and I've been in shows in which dancing occurred, but I wasn't a part of it. Yeah. Um, it's that's not uh, what I bring to the table. No, no, no it's okay. No. You got to know what you, you got to know what your thing is. Yes, that's it. No, I'm kidding. I I do look younger, look younger than all of you. I look younger than Alex, who's like, isn't he like thirty or something? It's fifty-three. Yeah, probably. Christ. Uh, but anyway, so all right. So instead, this week, because I've given up my mantle of team musical. I've written a review on Passing Strange. Oh, I can't wait. Okay. I'm going to sit back and take this in. It's stupid. It's really dumb. I want it. When I first saw the cover, I read it was the Stew musical. And I was like, yum. There's some leftover lamb stew in the fridge. Anyway, wondering how one could conceive a whole musical about casserole, I pressed play. And it turns out the Stew is the narrator. And his name is also Stew. Off to a good start, because this musical, in both album and pro shot form, are very much that, a jambalaya, a slick fusion of rock, blues, funk and punk, all tied together by the narrative rue about a naive youth's journey of self-discovery from the projects, uh, projects, as you say in America, we say projects, you say projects, we do, from the projects to traveling across Europe, 
But ultimately, while Stu's voice throughout is raspy and charismatic, it often comes across like that old dog at the pound that sings the iconic torch song to the protagonists about how he ended up in the pound all those years ago. It's a melancholy vibe that works best in smaller doses, and I would have liked more from the characters, but then it wouldn't have been a musical about Stu. Four stars. Wow, that was terrific. Because I didn't know what to do because I like this show. and Well, it's good to like the show. Well, okay, no, I like the music. I don't like the staging. That's interesting. Which I, I know it's controversial. I'm not, I don't feel <laughs> any controversy. I think it's perfectly appropriate to have an opinion. Yeah, I, look, I, I come from a way I can give a free pass to, um, but I'm not going to pay money to see Chicago unless I'm getting sets and costumes and things that I can actually look at. Uh-huh. That's what I have a problem with. It, it just. So you found the spectacle lacking? I, I've, no, I found the concept interesting, but not enough for someone with unmedicated ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> I see. So someone who's so erratic that I need the need the lights and see I can go and see Disney musicals and not hate myself. No, I me too. Oh, oh good. So I know a lot of theater people will turn that down, but Every time, I, look, I'll, first of all, I'll go see anything. I'll go see anything. Yeah. And I've only had a great time at every Disney musical I've ever seen. Uh look, I have a, except a Lion King. I haven't seen Lion King. Oh yeah, no, it's I messy. Know, so. yeah, well. Everyone likes it. It's messy and childish, and yeah, it's it's awful. I'm like the only person in the world who hates it. I'm so lonely out on this limb. It's not funny. I'm I'm sure it's. I think at some point I'll probably take my kid. He'll probably like it. Oh yeah, look, you'll probably like it. Everyone else likes it, but I yeah. just um. You know the thing with Passing Strange, I saw it twice in the yep. theater. It would have been exciting live. Yeah, it was really exciting, and I I've I've watched the Spike Lee filmed version. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think twice. Yep. And uh, what I will say about the staging uh, is I think it serves two purposes that I, I found to be really, really effective. Because it is autobiographical about Stu and it's Stu telling his own kind of story. Mm-hmm. I think having him there as narrator at all times and being able to watch him watch it uh, even the parts that he's not narrating, right? There, there are sections that he's not directly involved with. No, but he's still there, though. You can exactly. still see him, and that that annoyed me. Oh, really? That's I found that really appealing. I, I wanted to learn more about the youth. Sorry. Oh, see, I felt like his uh, experience of watching his young self make mistakes was sort of like a big part of what made it appealing to me. Okay. And I also yeah. felt like without the stuff that would ordinarily be associated with like a big Broadway musicale. I got to know the performers better. Like there, there, there's something very like almost kind of Brechtian about it that there's really no artifice to it. It's just, you know, the performers are clearly performers on a stage performing and one does not get lost in the characterizations or anything like that, right? Like you never forget that you're in a theater watching a show and I think with because there's not, you know, they don't go to Amsterdam and they get on a, an airplane set and then all of a sudden there's a canal set and then they go into a cafe set. Like, I think. Oh, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about something a bit more. Like what? I don't know. I, 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 I don't <laughs> know. Okay. I didn't give it that much thought, to be honest. Yeah, um, not projections. 
not right, projections no, exactly. or screens. Let's just put that out there. No more fucking projections <laughs> or screens, please, theatre. Maybe behind a window. Yeah, sure. sure. Behind a window. Sorry. <laughs> I was listening to Conan O'Brien's podcast yesterday with um, Jake Tapper was his guest. Okay, yeah. And they went on a whole thing, which I thought was so on the money that's never occurred to me about how big of a, a problem portals are in marvel movies and how overdone they are in superhero movies that it's just this sort of like deus ex machina device i think it's sort of lazy writing that like you know you've got these god figures that can do anything and so what are we going to do how are we going to raise the stakes i know a portal opens in the sky and like a million bad guys come out that was a pretty good point i thought or a sky beam yep yeah. I, that that is the equivalent of scaffolding in Jesus Christ Superstar. Do not get me started on that because I yeah. terrify everyone with my ranting about that over About scaffolding in that show specifically? Yes. That's fair. I like that show a lot. I love that show. I don't need to see any more scaffolding. It is no longer groundbreaking. You know what? I have a friend. So I just did this Andrew Lloyd Webber show right before the pandemic at this new, he was doing this new review and he came over to kind of put up this thing and I was okay, doing yeah. that. And I was, it was fun working with him and it was great. Mm-hmm. And uh, while I was doing it, one of my castmates clued me into the Australian cast recording of Jesus Christ Superstar. 1992, John Farnham. How Holy good shit. is that? Yeah, yeah. Very good. Thank you. Uh, let me tell you what, like that is really like one of my all-time favorite scores. Like yep. to me, like the you can't really beat the movie. Like Ted Neely to me is is on another level. And Carl Anderson even like gives like one of the best performances vocally. Mm-hmm. And I, I've listened to every revival that's ever come out because I love the score. I love hearing the different ways that people can sing it. Yep. That Australian cast recording yep. rocks so hard. The singing is so good. John Farnham as Jesus is... Holy shit. He doesn't do as much as the like stratosphere whistle tony shit that like Ted Neely does, mm-hmm. for example. Like he doesn't do as much of that like Steven Tyler-y stuff. No. But... He sits just below that at the top of like a belting range and screams his fucking face off. Yep. And it's amazing. There's not quite like the pyrotechnics, but it's much more like muscular. Yeah. Well, they're all rock stars. That's why. Oh my God. It's amazing recording. Yeah, it is. Like, it was a um, an arena tour they did in 92. Um, I know. Well, yeah, then I looked up on YouTube and like none of them looked cool at all. Like these no. are not cool looking guys, but they sing no. so well. In '92, they were. Yeah, I guess in '92. Yeah, that's true. Well, I thought it was terrific. I really loved yes. it. No, I I appreciate that because I that's what I say. That's what I said. It's, it's probably the best song that oh, that the show's ever been. Absolutely. Yes. No. I, I wish I had seen it, but I was too young. Apparently, Mum didn't take me. I saw one of the like. I know we're getting off track of Cousin Strange, but I saw one of the uh, like farewell tours that Ted Neely and Carl Anderson did. Oh wow! I think they did several of them, and I saw one like in the '90s when they were getting on an age, and they yeah. still sang the piss out of that score. I mean, it was still astonishing what they could do. Yeah, no, I absolutely love it. I think it's electrifying. It's exciting yeah. that score. It really, really is. Now, let me ask you this: If you could play a role in it, who are you? King Herod. If you were ca- if you were directing it, who would you cast me as? Probably King Herod, yeah. Yeah, this is my play. I want to be a pilot, but I think I'm a Herod. Yeah, it's a role that you can do anything with because it's a gimmick role. It, yeah. it, it's that comical, big, showy number. But um, now in terms of passing strange, because we'll, yeah. we'll obviously we'll, we'll get on, so I'm not going to keep you uh, forever. Not like F, 
uh, apparently. Um, I don't have as much to say as he does. Yeah. yeah, see, the punk in it is why I also chose No Idea, because that um, Soul Brother, whilst yeah. I think the, the lyrics are pretty crappy, and I think they're meant to be crappy, because they're... Yeah, yeah, I think it's a comedy number. Yeah, they're, they're like a, a nothing band. Um, but that thrash punk is what punk is. Yeah. And I think that's probably the best representation of punk I've seen on Broadway. Mm. Where we've had a Green Day musical <laughs> in the past. Well, would you call them punk? Uh, well, they're pop punk. Yeah. Rock. I got into pop punk for a minute, I guess. Yeah, they were to begin with. Coheed and Cambria and like, was Panic at the Disco pop punk? Uh, no, I don't listen to them. I wouldn't know. Well, uh, yeah, I think Soul Brother is like definitely a winky number. It's certainly played yep. that way. But that song immediately made me think of no idea. Like I was like, this is yeah, this is this this is exactly this is like a perfect send up of that. Yeah, that's why I picked that because that's yeah, but it, it's an authentic sound. So Stu obviously knows what he's doing. Oh yeah. So I'd be interested to see like because I know he's got a couple of other projects in the works. He's like a real musician who writes like just regular albums that are non theatrical, and I haven't really listened to much of that stuff. There's also an added. Um, element which I, I i don't think was really publicized but i i don't know how i knew that that the the bass player in the onstage band and i think his co-writer was the ex-girlfriend in question oh uh, heidi yeah yeah I, I, from my understanding uh heidi and him had had a relationship and that at least some of the show was based on that relationship and to have both of them on stage watching it recreated i just thought was pretty theatrical and uh, compelling yeah, I think, okay, in terms of um, with him being, obviously, it's autobiographical, yes, I understand that, and him being the narrator, it, it adds that whole experience to it. But having that on Broadway with him is an event. Mm -hmm. What happens then when other companies are doing it and they don't have Stu playing that narrator? This is, I think, where I, I step aside from it because I feel like then it it is hogging the show almost that it's, putting that narrator front and center with the and the action around the narrator and not the other way around the narrator should be off the side i think or that's interesting in and out it's Just, sort of a question i guess of um what the intention was right like yeah. i think i don't know that Stu or the producers or anyone involved had any designs on the show having any life beyond its very limited run with Stu standing front and center. That's what I wonder. Um, and it. so, I mean, I, I'm certainly not aware of any other production of it that's ever been done. There's a high school production, I believe, that was uncensored. Was there? Yeah. That's interesting. I'd be curious to see that. And some colleges have done it. I'm surprised they released the rights because to me, like, Stu, his performance and his literal physical presence in the room are so intrinsic to what the value of the show is. Yeah. So I don't know, I don't know how I would receive it with like some other actor playing the guy to whom these things happened. And would they be front and center at, at the whole time? Or is there a rewrite that perhaps focuses more on the action? I'm sure there is. As opposed to the to the telling of yeah, I'm sure it's doable. I don't, I, I don't know. Um, I'd be very curious to see how that changed the kind of like emotional life of the show. But I'm sure that it's doable. Well, it's never been done here. I know that. Well. I don't think it's been done overseas either. Like in. Um, not that I'm aware of. West End or anything like that. But no, look, it, as I said, there was an authentic sound and you can 
Look, that can be re replicated by composers, yes. Um, and it has been done in the past. There are just moments of it that for me are really transcendent. Like yeah. the whole key, like, like the Amsterdam keys sequence, I think is so exciting. Is that where they just had sex? Uh, just before they just had sex. Okay, because I don't like that song. That was really annoying. Neither do I. It's not my favorite. No. And really loud on your speakers where your neighbors can hear. It's really, really <laughs> awkward. Um, and like the last like four or five songs, I think are just, in, again, really, really effective at sort of like tying the whole thing up and kind of bringing mm -hmm. us where we want to be, you know, and like Stu has this number, Work the Wound, and then he really hands the narration to Daniel Breaker's character to yeah. sing Passing Phase, which is sort of like him resolving to be the man that will become the guy that writes this show, yeah. which I think um, is just, I don't know. It, it also like really, I, I, I saw it while I was in Hair, which you know, it was like the very start of my career. And there was something so compelling about like, the same reason I got this stupid tattoo, like <laughs> something about like unashamed artistry, right? Like just unglaring commitment to being my most authentic self. Unbridled. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And this show is obviously like about identity in a lot of ways with which I do not identify. But yep. I think that ultimately it's about finding yourself as an artist, right? And in a way that is really difficult to articulate in a way that a lot of shows do try to. And so I, I think that, you know, for what it was setting out to do, I think it, it did it as well as I've ever seen it done. You know, there, there are a lot of shows, look at Rent, for example, like the show that's over your shoulder right now. Like there are tons of shows that are about writing one great thing. Mm -hmm. And then they get to the one great thing. And sometimes is like with Passing Strains, like the one great thing turns out to be the thing you've watched this whole time. Oh my God. And like, sometimes it's a little gimmicky and sometimes it works better than others. But I found like for this, it really earned that for me. But that, that also that story of, you know, an artist finding themselves in particular, not necessarily just people in general or, you know, young yeah, people yeah, or whatever, but an artist finding themselves, I think is very, very relevant to today where we do have a bit of an echo chamber going on yeah. of generalization of people putting everyone like I would be put into a category of gay writer but I would fuck that off because I'm a writer I just happen to be gay exactly because what I write has nothing to do with being gay exactly we put each other into boxes for some reason and I I think that's and we're expecting artists to all and I think yeah artists are struggling to find their voice in this changing landscape of I don't want to say political correctness or something like that, because I'm 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 not a right winger or not left wing. I believe in common sense, though. So when it comes yeah. to political correctness, I believe just don't be a douchebag. Shouldn't take having a label. No, I totally agree that it shouldn't take having a label. But I think what what we're learning, so I don't want to speak for anybody else. What I'm learning is that um, don't be a douchebag, which I think is a great guiding principle requires more work than I gave it credit for. Oh yeah, hell of a level. <laughs> the ways in which I would perceive douchebaggatry are not the way that everyone would. And so for me, like there's a line between like, no, you gotta be really PC and like, let's make sure that we're taking care of people yeah. who may receive uh, what we say or what we write or what we do differently than the way that it was intended just because they're looking at life through a different lens than we are. But the problem is then there's, there's two different sides to that and both sides are very, very loud and conflicting with each other. And as put, well, I feel it's putting artists in a position of they don't know where they fit 
now um or at least yeah, but a lot of... that can be good like i think that can be um, good i think that kind of uncertainty and that kind of recalibration can be kind of healthy like i you know it's it's easy to keep on doing the things we've been doing um I oh think... yeah because a lot of yeah a lot of it was shitty yeah i, I, I agree on that look i you yeah know, like not... i go back we, I, we've been watching a lot of old movies during the pandemic me and my wife and like go yeah. back and we watch some stuff from like even the 90s or the early aughts that i'm like couldn't do that today and yeah. my first thought because this is what i'm conditioned for is regret like oh, it's a shame we couldn't make that great joke now and we can't laugh at it yeah but guess what from my straight white male cis perspective that, that'll always be a funny joke to me yeah and there's a lot of jokes that uh, I, without taking a little extra time and care, I would find funny because that's privilege, right? That's what that is. Yeah. I think, yeah, as I say, I think it's probably very relevant to today more than what it was back then um, in that sense, I think. Yeah. Uh, and especially since... Yeah, you mean Passing Strange? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. especially since we're calling for stories by minorities and communities that haven't had a voice and although obviously this was 13 years ago and had a voice 13 years ago i'm saying it would it would fit um even if they, they did a revival that you know they they changed the the narrator to be you know to not front and center to be on the side or something like that to focus sure. more on the action maybe had a set it doesn't have to be sets <laughs> I like the light wall. You're not going to talk me out of the light wall. I thought the light wall was awesome. Uh, no, I thought the light wall looked great, but what else was there? Just some potholes and <laughs> for the band. Yeah. I mean, I thought that was clever to have the band in there, but I was hoping that they would go up and down through the show and maybe we'd see some dancing or, yeah, that really you know what I mean? Like that we would utilize the stage um, a little bit more than what they did, I think. That's fair. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I thought the directing of the the camera work kind of annoyed me. Really, Spike Lee? That didn't do it for you. I know. I'm going to hell for that. I I love Spike Lee films, <laughs> but no, I just thought it was too much. Well, I mean, putting a live a live theatrical performance on film is really fucking hard, and I think. Um, the skills that uh, make a great film director don't necessarily translate and vice versa. No. Um, so I, what I will say is this, like I, I found some of the, the cutting to be a little bit distracting too, but yeah. I think it, all, it did do um, for me a pretty effective job at uh, simulating an approximation of what the energy in the room was like. Yeah, it the simulated day. the energy, but not, I don't think the experience of sitting there because to me um, if I want the experience of sitting in a theater I want a, a, a stagnant camera that just moves from yeah, side to side a big wide that's, shot. Yeah. that's what I look what it looks like when I go to the theater um, yeah like the sun in the park yeah uh, I, I don't shot. get close-ups or anything like that when I'm at the theater do I or you know whether no. they go up to the camera or, or whatnot we're going to throw to another quick ad break. We'll be back in a moment with the artist formerly known as Coba Cabana. G'day listeners, Aaron here. While you're topping up your coffees, did you know that you can support our show 
and go on a fantastically scary adventure at the same time, go to www.thetonistontales.com forward slash bookstore to grab your copy of The Toniston Tales, a darkly funny Aussie trilogy about a young boy who rescues injured animals in his spare time and the roller coaster ride he's taken on by a literal fish out of water. Written by me, the village idiot of Thrash and Treasure, you'll come to love Toniston Turnbull and the dozens of wacky characters that he meets along the way. And here is a sneak peek. Crack, thud, the human trips over the uneven ground as the Twanimal blows out the lantern. Watch your step, Kapoor says a little too late. Why did you put the light out? Bolly kosh, an open flame near hay bales? And here I thought you were smart, sir. Toniston agrees with how silly he must have sounded. What are we doing out here? The boy asks as they blindly walk around the side of the house, where they're greeted by giant shadows rising up above them. Unable to properly see in the pitch-black darkness, Toniston presumes they are the three hay bales. He looks around. The plains are vast and the spotlights out in the distance, now a purple colour, seem to be too far away to bring any real light to them. They do, however, look very pretty dancing on the rippling oceanic sky. Stand back, the silhouetted cub paw warns with his gruff but friendly voice, clearly able to see in the darkness better than the human who had constantly refused to eat his carrots. Grab your copy of The Toniston Tales from thetonistontales.com forward slash bookstore today. Hooroo! Did you watch our um our She Loves Me uh, thing that they did? You know what? I'm halfway through it. Oh yeah. <laughs> but I, I still haven't watched all of it. And that was about a year and a half ago that I got halfway through it. So I'm sorry. It's all right. I don't care. I don't get paid if you watch it or anything. I think it's pretty well done uh pro shot, is my my point. Now I've I have a question about pro shots. Mm-hmm. Um, because on your IMDB, it's got oh. Lay Miz on there really from 2014 was that ever pro shot no no no. well it's it's on there as an entry it's even got a cover i wonder if it's from like a press thing we did maybe like maybe it's from the tony awards or like a a morning show or something no it's not from the tony awards i'm looking at i'm gonna get to the bottom of that it's on your imdb i haven't been to my db in some time how do how does it look is it a recent picture i doubt it for a while those other boys were updating my my wikipedia page pretty routinely if needs one a wikipedia yeah i know just the man to do it les miserables the broadway musical yeah oh look at that no idea because i saw that and i'm like okay no that's that wasn't released if there was a pro shot of Les Mis released, I would have seen it by now. A filmed version of the revived Broadway musical Les Miserables. Nope, we didn't make one of those. I didn't think so. Because I know, obviously, Weird. like, promotional footage. Yeah, and we've got, like, um, you know, we filmed it for, like, uh, there's an archival uh, filming. But we, we didn't, like, film anything meant for release at all. Absolutely not. Maybe they pondered releasing it, the archival one. Maybe. I'm sure I would have heard. I, I didn't close out the show. I left early. Yeah. Okay, about Les Mis, because obviously that's a uh, epic production. Mm. Uh, and it's very popular with audiences and, and tourists. Now, what's your experience with the standing ovation these days? It's, uh, I think it's basically a default. And I think, look, you know what? I, I, I'm sorry for you guys, because I'll, I'll relate it to my novels. When I give someone my novels to read and they say to me oh that was good (laughs) i can tell they didn't like it yeah sure 
But when they come back and say, oh, wow, I really like that, then I can tell they really liked it. So I, and if they didn't like it, I want them to tell me. Oh, I don't so, want an audience to tell me if they didn't like it. Although they will. They will, yeah. What I'll say is there's almost always a standing ovation, not just with Les Mis, with everything. There's almost yeah. always a standing ovation. Occasionally there is not. It is much more rare for there to not be one. And that I usually find to be a real indictment of what has happened that evening. Yeah. Like to me, to not have one is much more of a statement than to have one. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the reason they're so popular is everybody wants to be a part of something, right? Like everyone, I, I, yeah. if I just paid $200 or whatever to go see this thing, I want it to be amazing. I'm, I'm rooting for it to be great. And so at the end of it, I, I think uh, if it was even good, I, your kind of standard audience member who bought a ticket to a thing, want to really have loved it. And yeah. so, uh, you you know, you get on board. Yeah, no, I, I, I can understand that point of view. But no, if I've paid $200 for something, I'm I'm sitting down as long as I have to. I'm not doing any fucking work while I'm there. <laughs> God, they can stand up for me. I've asked a, a number of people about it. So I'm, yeah, no, I, I, I feel like actors themselves want to feel like you earned that. I, I want to feel like I earned the praise yeah. that I get back from people, not pat on the back. You can tell if it's like really, if they really mean it. You can tell if it's sort of um, yeah. de facto or if it's like really, really intention. Yeah. There's a, a clear difference. Even during a show when there's not applause happening, like you, you know when an audience is with you and when they're picking up what you're putting down, you, you, you get to kind of feel that out. Mm-hmm. And what's been your most awkward stage door experience so far? Somebody got a tattoo once of my autograph. Oh, that's weird. It was just of all the choices to make. Yeah. That felt weird. Somebody once, I, I, I remember when in the early days when I was dating Farrah, I mean like hair, which was like 12 years ago or something, uh, was the was really a big deal when it like it was sort of like the biggest deal show I've ever been a part of. Like mm-hmm. it was culturally like a moment. It was my first show, it was my first kind of time being an actor at the stage door. And um, I, it was the first time social media was just becoming really a thing in a way that was meaningful. I joined Twitter because our producers had a sit down with us. We're like, here's, there's this thing called Twitter you might want to think about. There was one day where someone asked like how my girlfriend was, but they used her name and I hadn't put it. I realized that I had just been accepting every friend request on Facebook. And so that must've been kind of how that happened. Yeah. But like, I hadn't like, publicly said like this is my girlfriend and her name is farah and she's this yeah somebody said like oh how's farah i know she was sick last week and i was like what and i had to have a very like hard think and ultimately like a very uncomfortable conversation with that person about like boundaries Mm. and and um really ultimately it was about me learning how much to kind of share with people and how much not to and like where my boundaries were and how to enforce them in a way that was respectful of everybody. But I guess that was a pretty weird one. It was also, it's also always really funny watching, not funny, but like interesting watching incredibly famous people at the stage door and like the, the grace with which they can swim in that sea, you know, like watching Jake Gyllenhaal do it is very different than like watching F do it or me do it or even Alex do it, 
like it's it's like it's a different thing it is um i've watched david hasselhoff yeah and barbara eden who is i dream of genie because of what i told you before with yeah. Adam, i was at a convention with him so we were sitting behind him watching them sign autographs yeah i had an eye twitch that whole time <laughs> I was sitting there i'm like oh god this is so uncomfortable yeah well i understand it like you know people that are on a show that i love right like they're, they're a part of your life, <laughs> whether or not they know you, which they almost always don't. They're a part of your life. Shows that are really meaningful to you are meaningful to you, whether or not they're, you know, real tangible, interactive elements of your life. Yeah. And so it's um, sort of like a very weirdly one-sided encounter when all of a sudden that thing is in front of your face. And to be an actor or a public figure, I guess, of any kind that can handle that gracefully is um, really an art. And like, I think something that probably requires a lot of practice. I met Bill Clinton once, former American president, Bill Clinton. Oh yeah, I've heard of him. I think a dollar in the jar though, uh-huh. bringing up politics. Yeah, I met him at the uh, Beverly Hills Hotel. He was like leaving while I was coming in. Now that's a strong flex. Well, anyone can walk into the lobby. <laughs> um, and I was walking in the lobby and he was coming out and I, he was kind of shaking hands and I went to go shake his hand. And I'll tell you what, like setting any politics aside, I'm not talking about his politics or his policies or how he was as president. That man looks at you and your knees get weak. Like there is something about him. There is that like Kavorka, if you're a Seinfeld person, like there is like a, a magic energy about him that just fucked me up. I, I was like, I was trembling for the rest of the day. And I've met some pretty famous people and I've never had a reaction like that. That, yeah. that was like, there are some people that have a real like animal stank about them. Something yeah. that like the pheromones in the air, the temperature changes. It, yeah. it was a crazy thing I've never felt before. Well, I, I can't imagine. But I, I, I've heard that uh, Bill Clinton is able to get people on their knees before he fucks them up very good wording yeah that's great i got you and i got you a pun there for, just for you thank you uh okay so speaking of passing strange now your yep. agent sends you a bunch of strange ideas which ones do you pass on okay fight club the musical what's the role tyler durden of course oh <laughs> you do not would... strike me as a edward norton he is a oh, i thought you were gonna make me meatloaf um bitch tits bob yeah no i think I, I i would i would take tyler durden sure i'd go on that audition absolutely and and wouldn't that work as a punk musical yeah of course it would have to be nothing else it could be i i, I so badly want to write it myself if i swear to god anyone else announces that i'm going to fight them with my bare hands because look at me i'm strong enough to schindler's list the rock opera oh i mean i'd look at the material it wouldn't be a pass on spec <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd read the script. All right. <laughs> cool. I think it's been done as an opera, hasn't it? That makes sense to me. If you're going to theatricalize it, that's probably the, the medium. I think it has it, yeah. Um, or am I thinking of Edward Scissorhands, which is completely different. Why would I be getting them? <laughs> Holy shit, what goes on in my head? Same era. Oh, my God. Uh, okay, Samurai Pizza Cats. Oh, yeah. I don't even know what that is. You don't remember Samurai Pizza Cats? No. Where do you go when you want some pepperoni? Maybe we didn't get that here. Really? Oh. I don't think so. Okay. But Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles I would do. Well, that was done into a stage show. You can see it on YouTube. I think I'd be a good Leonardo or Donatello. Yeah. Probably Donatello. I'd be the rat. Mm-hmm. Okay. The Saw movies. 
think I well, I'd read this. I'd read the script. I'd read the script. Read this script. It was compelling. Yeah, I would be leaning past, but I would read the script. Yeah, I don't think there's a script I wouldn't read. Like I don't think there's anything that just like totally has an idea. Well, maybe that's not true. That is probably not true. But no, Saw wouldn't be an automatic pass. Really? Because remember, they did do a 9-11 musical and it worked. <sighs> yeah, that would probably be a pass. Like, um, Hello, it's come from away. Have you not seen it? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, but it's not like... No, I've seen it. But it's not like... Um... Okay. Oh, good. At least you have. Shit. Actually, no, I haven't seen it. I've just seen clips. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it's not like a musical. I mean, I guess it is a musical about 9-11, but it's not like glorifying 9-11. You know what I mean? Like no, that would be a pass. Yeah, it's the after effects of it. Um. Like that movie, um, that Charlie Sheen movie, the 9-11 one, that's set in an elevator shaft or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that's not uh, probably for me. No, no. I, I, um... And then I, I was trying to think of what other really terrible ideas there were. And I'm thinking like Showdown in Little Tokyo, but <laughs> that would totally work. Yeah, I think it would kind of work. It would kind of work, wouldn't it? Because if they've done Toxic Avenger. yeah. I think I I really think you're like hard pressed to find a story that given the right treatment couldn't work. You know, yeah. like I think there are topics that are probably uh, taboo, rightly, but um, I think given the right angle, like you know, you wouldn't think on paper Book of Mormon would work, and now I guess a lot of people feel that it it doesn't. I haven't actually seen it either, but I um, think it's fantastic. But I'm not easily offended. So. Without that <laughs> treatment of it, right? Without like. Yeah the right kind of angle to it, it would never work. Yeah. So I think things are different now than they were a year and a half ago. And I don't know how yet. Yeah. I think it's just going to take a little bit of time to kind of figure out what we as a business and what the public, the ticket buying public have an appetite for. Yeah. So I don't know. That's the thing. I think also there is that difference between the ticket buying people and those who are on Twitter complaining about certain things. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. Which, um, like and I can only ever speak of of the the gay issues and stuff like when someone would say that there's not enough gay representation on Broadway I'll lose my shit because we fucking own that street or that that place oh my god and we always have owned it what more do you want really the fact that we let straights on there is a miracle so anyways not including myself in that obviously and clearly we don't actually own it but the point is that do we actually need more representation but trans do non-binary do that there's a difference there yeah i think like a lot of people behind the scenes and on stage like people in positions of power there are lots and lots of gay people in theater they're probably overrepresented as in terms of like proportions to the general public but you don't see a ton of stories that feature gay characters, right? Like, there's not a ton of representation in the story. Why though? Because they're all boring. Trust well, me. you shouldn't tell boring stories. Period. I lead the most boring life. You do not want it in a musical. Also, like I've noticed that once, same with cinema. Once the the lead characters are gay, it becomes gay cinema. In quotation well, that's that. I think that's something that really does require a lot of work, right? Like having think, yeah. characters, especially characters, for example, that are, uh, you know, characters that have that are in a wheelchair, a character that has a limb difference, right? To to have a character like in Oklahoma, I think they did a great job, for example, of having a, a character with a physical difference that their character wasn't about that. 
right? Yeah. Like, why why couldn't there be a character with a limb difference, for example, in a show that it's their character isn't about that thing about them, right? Like, there's yeah. there's no reason for that. Well, no, um, that's it's not just the casting. Well, of course, but that's what I'm saying. It's like I I wish there were. I, I don't see any reason why there shouldn't be more shows with gay characters that are not shows about their gayness. Yeah, no, I agree. Okay, now, but even then, like, I, I don't really write gay characters myself for some reason. Like, it's, I, I, I don't know what it is. Like, because people tell me, like, oh, well, why don't you? Isn't that homophobic? Or, or shouldn't you be representing your community? But as an artist, I want to represent the stories that are coming out of my imagination. And if a character pops out of that that isn't gay, well, then they're just not gay. If they are gay, then they are. That, I, right. it's, and I'm not going to force them to be one. And but I, what I'm saying, I understand what what you're saying, in that. Um, and I'm trying to think of a good example where, look at Mean Girls. I guess we've got the Damien character who is, right. is very gay. That it's not, but it's not necessarily about him in general. Yeah, it's not really his story, is it? Um, yeah, Patrick Bateman, I think, is bisexual. Is he? I think in the That's novel. Fun. I have the novel right here. I didn't see the show. I don't um, go to the theater that much. Did you see King Kong? I did see King Kong. What did you think? I thought that gorilla was really, really impressive. Wasn't he cool? Yeah. I saw it in Melbourne. So I saw a different production yeah. to you guys, but the same puppet. I had worked on a different production than even made it to Broadway, like a pre with previous writers. Oh, really? With uh, Did you have like the avalanches and I think Sarah McLaughlin? <laughs> no. No, I had done some readings when um, Jason Robert Brown was working on it. Oh, okay. And his music was like terrific. But uh, yeah, I saw it. I thought it, it that that gorilla was really cool. Yeah, because I've been asking a lot of people, did anyone see it? Because as I say, we saw it in Melbourne. So we saw the world premiere production. Very, very different. The only song you guys kept was Full Moon Lullaby. I remember the song about how like he, how much the, there was a song about how much the captain loved his boat. There was like a boat, a love song to the boat that I was like, man, that guy really loves his boat. That's all I remember. No, I don't remember that. Also, uh, like I had a few friends in the cast. I thought it was a really well-performed show. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was like, you know, that's another one where like, if you're spending 200 bucks on your ticket, you see it up there, you know? That's it. You want spectacle when you go to something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. If, you're, if I'm buying a ticket to King Kong, that's what I think I said on the night. I was like, if I was coming from Indiana and I was going to buy a ticket to king kong i was like i want to buy a ticket to king kong the musical that's i would feel like i sure got my money's worth that's exactly what i was signing up for yeah and it, look at least we got original music in it yeah did, it wasn't a jukebox musical because it very easily could have been yeah um, no i thought it was really fun yeah i think for those reasons it gives it a pass but um one last question so i won't keep you any longer what theater are you eager to play in uh, the Delacorte, where they do Shakespeare in the Park, is my favorite theater in the world. Yeah. Uh, at least that I've performed in. It's a magic place. It's the best, uh, to me, the best work in the world is done there. It's the best place to watch a show. It's the best place to do a show. And it's outdoors, so it's an especially safe time to be there. Um, so I would say the Delacorte. I, I would also really like to, I, I, my other favorite place that I've been where I'd like to spend a lot more time is France. And if I could get into, there's like a couple of like English speaking musical theater schools in Paris. Mm -hmm. And boy, would I like to go and work over there for a little while and just like do some work there. They've got, yeah. like, they do English 
musicals. I, and I speak passable French, but like they do English musicals. And I would love to have a little career doing musicals in Paris. I think that would be really good. Why not? Like, um, yeah. And a lot of Americans go over to Germany to perform. And they've yeah, got a lot of long, like Starlight Express is still running after yeah. 38 years or yeah. something like that. Oh, however long. I mean, I really, for. one of the things for me this last year is that has been really the hardest is I, I love traveling and I miss it terribly. Yeah. Um, and so I think um, if I, I'm like very, very itchy to get around the world right now. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm hard pressed to think of any performance opportunity that would take me across an ocean that I would pass on. I, I would just love to get a little, <laughs> a little time outside of my country. Yep. No, I don't blame you. I, I may get to, to get traveling. So have you been to Australia yet? No, I'm dying to go. Yeah. I'm waiting for the right kind of opportunity. You know, it's just all the way over there. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you're all the way over there. Yes. And it's... I'm all the way over here. That's, that's the real problem between you and I. Yeah. It's a 19 hour flight. Yeah. I would like to go. I like your people and I like the everything that I know about your country and about New Zealand. I would do a little two stop uh, thing. Yeah. Um, and someday I, I really hope to. It does feel a little bit like, um, I think probably the reason I haven't gone yet is it feels a little bit to me like if I'm going to go all that way, I want to get off the plane in something completely different. Mm-hmm. And which is why I sort of feel like, like I haven't really done East Asia at all. And I, that's like the next thing on my list is I'm dying to do like Beautiful. a swing through South Korea and, and Hong Kong and Singapore and Japan. Yeah. Um, oh, Japan is. Amazing. That's we were supposed to go to Japan last year. I had tickets and everything. Oh, um, what a shame! Yeah, no kidding. So, Damn. like, that's going to be the next trip. And and I promised my wife I would take her to the Maldives. I think we'll we'll do that oh, soon. Wow. But like, to me, if I'm going to go on a plane for 24 hours or whatever, I want to get off and be in Wonderland. Yeah. And while Australia seems amazing to me, it also seems familiar and sort of accessible. Yeah. In a way that I really appreciate when I travel. Like when I went to Hawaii. It's, it was just different enough that I was like, I've gone somewhere. Yeah. Like, there's volcanoes and stuff. And I'm sure that I would get the same thing in Australia, but I think that's the reason I haven't been yet. Is it just like, I want completely different. I want to see something that I have no experience with. Yeah, no, that's, I can understand that. Cause I, I don't want to go to Thailand cause there's too many Australians. <laughs> right. Have you ever been to New York? Uh, no, no, I've never, I've only been to Hawaii in terms of America. Um, well, but then... it's like that, but uh, less, uh, you know, volcanoes and palm trees and more people. Yeah. Well, I think I'm sure I'll get around to it. I mean, you know, I, it's uh, yeah. one of the, like I said, one of the good things about what I do is that it takes me to some places and I'm hoping that uh, there will be more and more of that in the, in the time to come. And look now because of your podcast, when you come to New York, you'll have a whole bunch of people to hang out with. Yeah, thank you. I, I'll, get, I'll probably be by myself. So I, well, I will need someone to have a drink with. You co- come hang out with me and the boys. Yeah, awesome. No, I appreciate that. And, and and the same here in Melbourne. I'll I'll show you around all our best drinking spots. <laughs> I appreciate it. I don't I don't know any of them. I really don't know any of them. But yes, no, it's an absolute honor. A pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much for for joining me on this. Uh, Shai, uh, before you go, where can people find you on the socials? Right, I'm on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Andrew Coburg. It's yes. uh, Andrew K O B E R. And mm-hmm. uh, I quit Facebook and I don't do any of the other ones. Yeah. So just, you can get at me on those ones. On Twitter, I mostly yell about stuff I'm mad about. And on Instagram, it tends to be pictures of my cute kid and dog. <laughs> yes, and you can find him soon on nightclub stages as Koba Cabana. 
<laughs> Thanks for having me. Yes, no worries. Thank you very much. And everyone at home, you take care. Hooroo. Cool. That yeah, was really fun. Awesome. Like quicksand!